just before I, I start, obviously some of you, hopefully most of you, since you live in Hertfordshire, are Saracen supporters, so <laughs> unfortunately we have the Turkish flag <laughs> and the sun and the moon, which some may say is uh, um, not that uh, great to, have, to play under such, such signs, but uh, um, obviously it's been a great day for the club. Um, it's the end of the time for me actually at Saracens, but it was a great way to finish it and um, I think it was a real blessing. Last night we had a function afterwards and uh, Brendan Fenter, the coach, um, which is a Christian, gave a great testimony in front of a thousand people probably at a function at, saying that last year he was not allowed to watch the game last year, for some of you may not know. He had to stay at home and um, he watched it with his son and we lost in the last three minutes of the game. And he, he said in front of all these people, he said he went up to his room and he prayed. And he asked God, why could it not happen? Why was it not um, destined for them to win? And the Lord just said, it's for another time. It is not destiny for it to be now. It's for another time. And yesterday was that time. And it was, it was a strange thing when the Lord does something. I really believe in my heart it was something the Lord has done. Something of my own destiny has been tied into it. But it is so profound for me that when the Lord does something, even, I believe, even the pagans can feel it. Even the pagans can know it. Saracens has got a, a saying, there's some, something special. There's something special happening at this club. Even the biggest pundits that's normally very negative towards Saracens had to say they're going to win it. And there was, there was a lot of reason to back basically the other team. But I'm not here to talk about Saracens. I want to say to you that the testimony that you can have in your life, you can be assured that people can walk around and say, there's something special about you. Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, there's something special upon you. And that is what we will, that I will try and speak into a little bit this morning. Can we just close our eyes, please? <clears throat> Father God, I thank you that you're, you are the great God. Thank you that you are the living God. Thank you that cre you created each one of us. You predestined each one of us. Thank you, Father God, that we are a house of believers worshiping here this morning freely. I pray that the Spirit of the Lord will reign freely in this place. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will help us to keep our minds fixed on what you want to say and to speak into our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name. Now, my the title of my sermon this morning is Presumptuous Christianity. And um, if, I, if I have to be frank, I'm, I'm preaching today to believers. Most of the people that are here today are believers. But it, I hope it can be, if you are not, if you haven't, if Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior, I believe that can also be a word of encouragement for you. It can be something that you can look forward to and say, I want that. I need that. Something in my heart says, that is, that man is speaking the truth. And I just want, if you do not know the Lord today, I'm not speaking of myself. It's not uh, that I've uh, read a couple of, of books and now speaking here. I, um, I believe that this is the word for the church for today. This is the daily bread. Now, just give you some indication. I got born again in uh, 1997 and I was saved out of a life that was pretty much gone off the rails. One of the biggest reasons for that basically was probably a, a, a break in my relationship with my father. 
um, through many different reasons. My mother died, my father remarried, things like that. I don't want to focus on that this morning. But because I'm speaking to believers this morning, I am going to challenge your doctrine this morning. I'm going to challenge what you believe. I'm going to challenge the high things that are in your mind. Now, what happened with me was, when at the point that I got born again, I was like plodding along in club rugby. I was severely overweight. I was... Um, Okay, I'm not going to go into all the things. I was in everything bad. Okay, let's just leave it there. Then when I got born again, it was not that I was seeking the Lord. It was literally that the Lord came. He took me by the scruff of the neck. The vision that I had in my eyes was of a lioness coming and taking a, there's like a hyenas coming towards this little um, lion cub. And he, the lion, the lion, came, obviously I saw a male lion, but the lion came, took me by the scruff of my neck and dragged me to a place of safety and put me in another realm. That is what happened to me. And it was a radical transformation. Within three months, I lost something like 15 kilograms without even trying to diet. Guys, since I was probably seven years old, I would some nights I would pray to the Lord that I should can stop swearing. I could not stop swearing. Like my grandfather's had a couple of words that was just infused into my DNA probably since the age I was two years old. There were words that I couldn't get out of my, my vocabulary. You know, praying, growing up in a Christian home. In the flesh, I could not get rid of these things. I, um, obviously, my, my relationships was with a lot of people that were not uh, interested in the things of the Lord. But what happened was, within six months, I was a provincial rugby player. Within a year after that, I was a Springbok rugby player, international rugby player. From a guy that was driving a 1974 Datsun, I was now earning a million rand a year. Finances was great. I was feeling so secure in the Lord. Relationships was restored in every level with my family. This relationship with my father was restored. So many new relationships was, was built. I was absolutely a babe. I, um, I threw away all my CDs. I've started buying a couple of them back, which I felt was, shouldn't have been thrown away, but I broke with the past. It was a clean break with the past. Although, just remember, I was still a rugby player. I was still within different rugby environments, the roughest of the rough. I was running like the lead dog, running the roughest of the rough. But by the, by the power of the Spirit and by great friendships in the church, I managed to break from that um, lifestyle. And the Lord opened up something new. I started preaching. I started teaching in hostels. Hundreds and hundreds of people were born again with my preaching when I was like six months saved. It was incredible. And so the thing that I rather want to focus on this time, I, I become a chartered accountant in that time. I was, in that time, I, would, I got visions and dreams from other people encouraging me. A guy picked up a card when I was still playing club rugby saying, he picked up a card which had a Springbok, it had my face in Springbok colors on it, and said, Coopers, you're going to play for the Springboks. The stats was there. You're going to play quite a number of games. I mean, that is awesome how the Lord can come into your life and speak a word into your life. It helped me to make a decision not to just work for Passwater's Coopers anymore, but do a couple of gym sessions in between in the week. And it set me up for a rugby career that the Lord used as a platform. But... In all this greatness, in all this unbelievable, I mean, I was like, you can imagine the shining star. I developed my own doctrine. 
And my doctrine went something like this. Become born again, and the Lord will bless you. And He will make you rich. And He will make you lose weight. I wasn't saying these things, but it was all in my... And the relationships will be stored in your life. And you will be able to forgive people. And you are going to go around and you will be blessed in your work. And people will love you. And you will have favor with all people. I took a long way. It was very complicated sermons that I was preaching. But in the end, it was... And even I, I didn't use myself as an example. That was where, where it uh, was leading to. And I was very against prosperity teaching, but it was my own kind of prosperity teaching that I was preaching. And then in 2001, end of 2000, the wheels came off seriously. Uh, it was like in, you know, guys know, in cycling there's drug testing. I got um, tested positive for a precursor of a, of a steroid, an androlone steroid. And it was absolute shock to me. I knew I never used anything like that, but it was... In the beginning, I thought it was like a, a, just a big mistake. It, then, it turned out to be a massive issue. I lost everything that I had. When Nicolene, it was in the period that Nicolene and I started courting, we got married. Um, it all went, happened in one period because Nicolene and I got, were courting, got engaged and married in five months. So it was quite an intense period. Of <laughs> but in that exact period, this thing came against me. And you know what was my first thing that I did? I went before the Lord and said, Lord, you're de destroying your testimony in my life. What is happening here? Nicolina and I started out our lives, you know, I was a chartered accounting, accountant earning good money. I was an uh, international rugby player, voted as the best in my position in the world. We were sleeping on a mattress. We didn't even have a couch in our living room. Some of you that think a TV is a, is a, is a standard item, the first time I could afford a TV was in 2003. I had so much debt. Um, I can tell you the story afterwards, but basically I was found not guilty after eight months. But a great testimony, a great testimony, and a new doctrine, a new understanding of God was formed in that time. A God that is not a God of the great. He is a God of the situation where you are in at that right moment. He knows exactly where you are. And he is interested in what kind of character you're going to walk out out of that situation. One of the great things that I've learned, people say difficult times are character building. It is not true. You can ask a lot of people that have gone through difficult times and they are left in bitterness. They are left outside of the church today because their doctrine, because and I, I'm not going to use the word doctrine anymore. I'm not going to use the word because the understanding of the love of the Father, the understanding of the purposes of God in their life is warped. It has not developed. They have not opened their heart for, Lord, for the Lord to do that work. <coughs> and all I can say to you is when I, when I came through that time where I was very heavily indebted in that time because I lost, I had a business, I lost all of that. I remember going forward in the church and the Lord brought me to a place where I honestly, where I said, and, and let me tell you before that I was giving away a lot. It was actually later I realized I was doing the wrong thing. I was like, people were coming to me like I need to buy a, a wedding ring for my wife. Okay, it's fine. I'll write the check. Here's the wedding ring. Go and buy a wedding ring for your wife. All the youngsters in the church, when they go on missions, I'll just write the check. Yeah, everybody's going on missions. <laughs> there you go. And it was quite natural, but 
When I walked, when I came out of that, I truly realized that absolutely nothing that I have is mine. It can all be taken away like that. It stopped that whole fight, and I went forward in the church, and I said, if anybody here has got a need, whatever you see in my life, you can have it. It came from the bottom, bottom of my heart. I'm going to continue with that story a little bit later. Because these things, for you who have been Christians for much longer than I have, know that it's not just one or two trials that come over our path. There many, many trials come, come over our path. And I'll share with you a little bit later that it's necessary for us to continuously go through trials. It's necessary for us to continue going through the testing of our faith to produce gold that is refined, something that is a great and great honor in worship and in splendor of the Lord. But I want you to open your Bibles now for me because I'm not, I'm not pulling this thing. This, I'm actually... What my preach today is going to elaborate on where we are in James at the moment. So if you can go to James 4, verse 13. Come now, you say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. I want you to repeat with me the last verse. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. I'm trying to speak as slowly while I'm reading the word like um, what is Kate, Kate Middleton's brother when he read in the role reading. I thought he read, it was incredible that scripture in Roman when he read it that slow. But So what I'm going to elaborate and extrapolate upon is this scripture. Now, in Afrikaans, which is my mother tongue, Especially in the rural communities, the people say a lot, as the Lord wills. In everything that they say, they will say, as the Lord wills. And sometimes it can become a religious thing. But the thing that I want to challenge each one of you today is how much of your life is still daily guided by, as the Lord wills? And how much of your talking, how much of your thinking is within your own paradigm is within your own, even in your sphere of influence and your, friend, and your friends, is about talking about dreams and plans that are pipe dreams, that are things that are actually influenced by your daily living, by things that you see other people do, but even what some of your successful friends are doing. That you want to attain to that, that you dream about that and you plan towards that. Please, please go in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5. 2 Corinthians 10. 
after this, guys, I think um, I'm not going to. I think it's best for you to go to the um, to the internet later and listen to this again if you need all the scriptures. But each one of us have to understand that we have got a mind. The mind is a little box that's going to decide where we operate. The mind is the thing that's going to decide if you're going to operate in the flesh, in the world, or if you're going to operate in this new realm that we have been ushered into, the kingdom. The spirit, a spiritual capacity. Remember, I'm speaking to you as Christians. I'm speaking to you as believers. I'm speaking to you as ambassadors of the kingdom of God. I'm showing my hands are up here because you are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Is that a reality in your mind every day? We are not bottom dwellers. <coughs> For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare is, are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now listen to this carefully, this next verse. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now you may ask me, Kubis, what is a stronghold? What is an argument? What is a high thing? I don't know what is yours, but I want to give you examples. A high thing in your mind can be the plan that you have devised over the last 20 years in your own mind of where you want to go. A stronghold, a stronghold can be unforgiveness in your heart, that you've been walking around feeling rejected, feeling that the Lord owes you an apology, that the Lord owes you a blessing to make up for a wrong that has been done in the past. It is very important that you listen now. It is very important that you listen now. God cannot go past that stronghold. You've in your mind put that block for the spirit not to go beyond that. He has asked of you to... Ask for forgiveness. He's asked you to forgive. It's not something that he can do on your behalf. It's not something that's going to come like a thunderbolt praying that you are now going to be able, that you are now going to, that, that that person is going to be forgiven. He can enable you to forgive. You can ask him, give me the strength, give me the courage, give me the faith to believe. But I want to go beyond that. What is the high thing in your mind? Maybe the high thing in your mind is the budget. Maybe the high thing in your mind is your budget that you have set up for your life. You know, we live in a life where people through the pension industry and through the insurance industry, Craig, you know it very well. People can draw little lines. I was at a wealth manager the other day. They love to draw graphs and say, you know, in that first meeting, they say, ooh, very horrible position here, you know. You're basically going to be hungry, hungry when you're 65. Yes, that is the world way, world's way of looking at it. This last week, they say one-third of all people are going to grow over 100. And they're all probably going to starve to death because there's not going to be enough in their pensions. 
So now all of a sudden you run to your Excel spreadsheet. You start putting numbers in there. You think if I save another 10 pounds a month, you know, I'm going to have bread when I'm 80 in 90 in 2050. It is strongholds and high things in our minds can even be things that the media put in our minds. Ladies, you can have a high thing in your mind of what you should look like physically. It is a high thing that has been put in your mind by the world. It is something that you always compare yourself to that is not of the Lord. He says here that we should use spiritual we should use spiritual weapons to bring down these high things that we've built up in our, in our minds. And many of these high things are against God. I'm going to share now a little bit again of my life. Obviously now, I'm bankrupt. I'm 2,000 pounds down. <laughs> I'm 2 million rand down. I... Nicoline can tell you, you know, I was like one evening I was standing there and just throwing the share certificates that I had, throwing it like that. It's all gone, it's all gone. It was one of two times that I cried. And, um, but the Lord, I was, the Lord really strengthened me in this time. I really can tell you, if you know, the Lord is there for you when you are in that low place. And there is a place when you've gone through it that you will after say, there's days when you think, Lord, can I have that feeling of knowing when there's nothing else, knowing that you know that you know. And you know, I've asked the Lord for that. Because I was singing all the things that we sing in worship, and I was thinking, Lord, how can I say I will worship you when I've lost everything? I've got everything. How do I know I'm going to worship you if I haven't got anything? I was brought to that place, and it was the greatest place of knowing that I know that I know that I love the Lord. You know where the Lord tested Peter? When he said, Peter, do you love me? When you're in a tough time, there's a place where the Lord actually wants to say to you, I'm, I will help you, that you know that you know that you love me. And it is a blessed place. Because it's only the love of the Lord that can bring you to that place. But, I want to give an example of our stronghold created sin in my life because I knew better. I now am a chartered accountant and the Lord gave me a word that is going to go, the Lord put in my heart before the property boom started in South Africa, that property is going to go big. So what I did was at one, at one, in one period, probably three months, I bought 10 properties because I was earning money again, although I had a lot of, and I bought everything that I could. And it, I thought I was walking out in faith. I was going absolutely berserk. I was, and it all came off, but it came with a lot of pressure. I was pushing my budget to the absolute maximum. And let me tell you, for some reason, the Lord by His grace got me through the whole thing. But, I budgeted my budget. All that I factored in was my tithe. I budgeted for my tithe. And I budgeted for offering for missionary. missionary. But the rest was 
Nicolene, the budget is like this. We run now according to this budget. We will work out of this. The Lord is going to bless us and we're going to get out of this. I left absolutely no place for the Holy Spirit to do any work in my heart around giving. There wasn't any capacity. I didn't have any more capacity because everything was towards reaching this goal that I have on paper set for myself. And while I'm sharing it with you is, I want to ask you in your heart, how are you setting up your budgets? Your finance is a major part of your life. Is your budget so geared? Is the things that you've bought so, have put you in such a position that your monthly outgoings is so geared that there's absolutely no room for the Holy Spirit to move in you or for your heart to overflow in giving and to give to people. And in the end, to use it as an excuse to not be giving. Guys, it's just one example I'm using. A heart that is giving, a budget that is available to the Lord to use, it is a sign of walking the, the covenant road with the Lord. Okay. <coughs> just to end off with the high thing. Your your doctrine, what you believe of God, what you believe what the Word says, what you believe of the Gospel is in your hands. It's in your control. But there comes times. It has preached a very good sermon about this about two years ago, maybe three years ago, about transition. And he said one of the biggest things that happen in a time of transition is a challenge of your doctrine. is a challenge of what you believe who God is in your life. Do not despise the times. I, in this, in this time that I am, um, I've realized, I've realized with my friends all over the world, I've realized with people in my home group, I've realized with people in the church that I've befriended, there are a lot of people that are downcast at the moment. There are many people that are subdued there are many people that are actually in different states of depression. And I want to give you a key tonight that the Lord has given me to free you from that and to challenge this high thing in your mind. Mike, can you... And I call it the credibility gap. The blue line that you see there is what each one of us in our life, how we see our life going. That represents how we see our finances are going to go over our lifetime. That's how we see how our assets are going to accumulate through our lifetime. That is how we see our growing in, in favor and stature with people. That's how we see how we're going to grow in, in wisdom. The reality, unfortunately, is the red line in our lives. And you know, in in as much as that red line looks up and down, if you look at it, in the end, the dots, dot number three is still higher than dot number two. But when you get to dot number four, you feel everything is lost, everything is gone. But dot number four is still higher than dot number one. But the place, the thing that eats us up, is the high thing, 
is the path that you have planned in your Excel spreadsheet, the path that you've planned with your wealth manager, the plan that you've been building with your wife, dreaming with your wife, lying in bed at night. And dreaming and planning is great. But if you've walked a walk with the Lord, He's got His own plan for your life. He's got a perfect plan for your life. Ephesians 2, verse 10. He has prepared things for you in advance. You are the, his workmanship, He's prepared it for you in advance. How can you know it? Unless you walk this walk with Him. And I want to explain to you where the, Mike, have you got the others sign in? The, don't worry. What I want to show you is, it's not the up and down. The revelation that I want to give you today, it is not the up and down that is getting you under. It's not the up and down that is, has caused you in the depression that you are. It's not the up and down that is making you ungrateful for the great things that you have in your life. The thing that is causing depression is the gap between the red line, the variant gap between this red line and the blue line. It is not reality. It is the own illusion. It is the high thing that you have created in your own mind where you think you should be today. What, that gap is pride. That gap is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes that has been fueled by the economy by the world that we live in. This is, guys, this is encouragement. This is not an indictment. This is not to speak down at you. This is the thing that I need to um, fight and work in myself again and again, where I have to renew my mind. I am an incredibly, I was born an ambitious person. But if you want to live a life of joy and peace and godliness with contentment, if you want to live a life that goes beyond depressions and lows, it is, if you can appreciate the red line, if you can appreciate the red line, and in that red line you can say, thank you Lord, you have not forgotten about me. You are sorting out my thinking and my wrong thinking about you. I want to ask you here. Do you ever think you can be wrong in, your, in what you're thinking about God? Guys, it is, this is not a teaching in the church, but take it from Kubus Vasaki today. You can quote it one day in Forbes, you know, famous quotes. If you are, and there's quite a few Christian quotes actually in Forbes' famous quotes. If there's one thing that you can be sure of, is that you are walking in some form of deception at the moment. Do not fear. You are deceived. All of us are deceived in, in greater, smaller or greater measure. That is what caused humility. That is what caused me to say every morning to wake up at six o'clock, you know, dust, the fairy dust of my eyes and say, Lord, I need you. I know I'm deceived, but every morning you bring something new and I am less deceived. It keeps me humble because I can tell you in my own heart, although I knew this teaching, there was a time that I thought I've arrived. 
There was a time that I thought, what can I learn anymore? I didn't say it to anyone. Some of you have been sitting in church for 40 years. Some days you come in and think, what more can they tell me? My understanding of God has never been challenged as much as it's been in the last two years, and it's only been a blessing. And listen, it was a fight in me, stripping my life of programs. It was a terrible thing for a South African, not doing anything. The Protestant in me got completely upset. Guys, if you and your understanding of God, if you and your understanding of God do not, if it doesn't include things like tribulation, if you've never heard a teaching about that you will go through tribulation as a believer, you will be, I can understand that you are depressed. Go and read Romans 5. Therefore, we also suffer tribulation, but we rejoice in tribulation because it produces character, perseverance, hope. So when you go through it, they say, oh, character, hope, this is coming. But I need to go through this happy. I need to go with this with joy, with the expectation that I will go get out on the other side better. You need to say, pruning. What is pruning? Go and read John 15. As many as he loves, he rebukes and chastens. Oh, who's preaching that? I haven't heard people in America preach that too often. The internet sermons that everybody is running after. Pruning. He says, I will prune you. It means cutting away. It means the nice branches that have gone out and looks, look great. It's cut off. It's sore. It's, I can give you a teaching about it. I'm from Stellenbosch, wine country. They cut it at the softest part of the branch. Green things are cut off, and it says, because you will bear more fruit. Because the Lord knows, I'm going to cut it a little bit away, and it's going to be a slight winter, but there's a next season of greater growth, which you cannot see there. Serving. If serving is not part of the doctrine, if nobody's teaching you around serving, not by the law, but if it's not in your heart, if you don't understand that Jesus was a servant king, you're going to be very offended if people ask you to come into the worship team and come every Thursday and practice. If you have to, if you say, oh, every fifth week I have to host. It's a terrible thing. It's an extra half hour before and after. Because it's not in your heart. It hasn't sunk in, into your heart. But there's other things also that if you have in your mind think you have arrived on the other side and it's now camping out time, what about the supernatural? If you think, if you want to exclude the supernatural out of your life and say, oh, I don't like it when Ellen dances up and down and maybe the spirit falls and people are going to fall over. If people start prophesying, if somebody's going to put their hand on my shoulder and I get a little bit of a shiver because nobody really touches me when I'm at work or on the train or whatever, you know, on my shoulder. Like a, a firm of a touch... That is, for some people, they just say, I just don't want, I want to come to church, sit in my row, seat, same seat, and just feel the feeling, you know, just slightly get the feeling, and then I'm going back to my Excel spreadsheet tonight, and I'm just typing a couple of extra things in there, um, just make the deduction, you know, the deduction expense from the giving that I've done today. It's, a, it's, your doctrine 
Your understanding needs to be challenged. I want to say to you, if your biggest worry is your paycheck or your next paycheck or your next raise, it is a high thing in your mind. It is very low thinking. It is very low form of Christianity. It's actually not faith. Desire. What are you desiring? What are you going to replace it with? The Word says, 1 Corinthians 13, 31, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Is that the high th- I want to ask you, you Christians, that was what, what Paul wrote to the church. Is that the high thing in your mind? Is more is being, having more power and love of God in your life to change your environment, is that the high thing? If it is not, it's not a rebuke. It's an encouragement. Guys, we've seen this marriage video, you know. Men, you've only got this much capacity to think. <laughs> if you're going to fill it with your Excel spreadsheet and your holiday plans, there's not much space left. And your work is also there somewhere. Are you leaving space for God to do something supernatural? When you, the crossing of the Red Sea by the Israelites was, as, was symbolic of coming into, the, coming into the kingdom, being born again. For them crossing the Jordan was a type of coming into the fullness of the Spirit. Being spiritful. Do you know that some of the tribes actually stayed behind on the other side of the river? Some of the tribes just went a little bit over the river and they camped there. I want to ask you, if your understanding of the kingdom of God, if your understanding of what God wants to do in your life does not include a couple of battles... If it doesn't include, let's just go there. Um, 1 Corinthians. I've only written the verses down. But Paul says, I think it's 1 Corinthians 13, but it's, it's the where he says, like a boxer and like a runner. We have to run. We have to fight the fight like a boxer. We have to run towards the end for the prize. Winning the prize. The runner runs to win the race. The path with the Lord is not a path of coming and coming to church and coming to sit in the same place every week, trudging to home group, getting there, even waking up in the morning and do it. goes far beyond that. It is very exciting. Okay, maybe I get a little bit excited, more excited because I like a good fight. But I think if there are a lot of young women here. There's a, there's a place in your life that you have to, will have to fight in the spiritual realms one day for your children. We have to understand this is, in many, many ways, this is not a manly thing. This is the examples that he give, that, that Paul gives here, 
is that is how every believer should brace himself that as we get through the Red Sea, over the Jordan, when we get on the other side, we are in the promised land. But have we possessed the promised land? You have not. And I want to ask you, the challenge for you this morning is, how much of your promised land have you possessed? How much of the spiritual gifts, how much of what God has preordained for you in your life have you possessed? Or are you dwelling? Are you just happy with crossing the river and say, I'm here? And actually, you know when people start dwelling, the next thing that happens is complaining and thinking, what is going to come my way? God is a God of momentum. If you go and look at all the men of God, they were expected to move and to move and to move and to move. They were moving with the Holy Spirit. They were moving with God. They had to hear and have their ear open for the Lord the whole time. I came to England not because the pound was strong, because it was not. It was weak. <laughs> I came over here because the word, the Lord gave me a word that this is the place that He will bring, bring me. I prayed before I came to Forest Town Church. He confirmed, this is where I am. I am planted here because the Lord has planted me here. That is the security that I have. I have pursued the Lord. Guys, I say it with all humility. I'm not lucky. I have pursued the Lord to have understanding. I have pursued the Lord to have the faith that I possess in the things that I know that I know. And I can tell you now, every person here that is sitting here that know that they know can tell you they have pursued the Lord to know that. They have seeked Him out. They have searched for Him with all their heart. Now go into the internet. There's a million things on, on Blackberries, on iPhones, on the internet, even the concordance of your Bible. And go and look at the words, search. Search for me with all your heart. Type that in and then you see how many scriptures will come out. What will happen if you search for the Lord with all your heart? He will give you the desires of your heart. He will be with you. I've never spat so much while I was preaching in my life. Um, so why... So guys, I'm, we are talking here, guys and girls, brothers and sisters. We are talking here. I'm one of you. I'm not here. Let's stand here. I'm one of you. I'm speaking as one of you. Have we started in the Spirit and fallen back into the flesh? Have we started in the Spirit? Have we moved in the Spirit and now said, oh, this is as far as I can go now. I've got three children. Let's just put the pigs in here and let's dwell up a little bit and ask for the Lord to bring His blessing my way. If we use the wisdom of, the of this world, it will lead to a lot of confusion and it will lead to a lot of hurt and depression and misunderstanding in your life. Because the way that the Lord worked with the first man that believed, Abram, there was, imagine this, guys and girls, he was standing there with his nephew Lot and he was saying, hey Lot, the Lord has moved us now. Here in front of you, there's the desert and there's the fertile valley. That's what, we play ching chong chow. 
And we're going to just, oh, don't worry, I'm such a good guy. You can choose first. I know it's a hard choice. So Lot, the man of faith, you know, all the story of Lot, because you're good Christians, he made quite a nice decision. He's going to go where the valley that's fruitful. And where has it led him? Where has that led him? The Lord, Abram, went into the desert. And because you're Christians, you will know, as Abram went, the Lord created water. Where he dug a hole, there was water. And as he listened to the Lord, he moved, and where he came, he dug a hole, and there was water. And the Lord blessed him in this walking and listening and digging into it and getting the water, being refreshed. He was, he was not seeking for the place where his assets are going to increase. He wasn't looking for the place where there was a lot of grazing land for his vast, vast, the richest man in the world. He was looking to the Lord and just saying, Okay, Lord, you're leading me. I believe when I'm there, when I get to that place where you are leading me, I can dig a hole and there will be water. And the places where, if you go and read the rest of the Old Testament, where Abram dug, there was water centuries later. Isaac, Jacob, and after them, they, they watered their sheep in the holes that Abram dug in the desert. What a legacy. You have to challenge the thinking of this world. Okay. Normally when the guy says five minutes and there's 20 minutes left, so I'm going to say there's one minute left, so there's five minutes left. Are you still awake? Okay. In your, in your walk, I want you to do me a favor and go and read Revelation this week at some stage. The letter to each church in Revelation was, was ended with a scripture saying, to those who overcome, to those who overcome, to those who overcome, to those who overcome. Seven times. Let's just read one of them. Revelation 2, 26. Have you got your places? And he who overcomes, or she who overcomes, and keeps his works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them by the rod of iron, by a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Do not be discouraged when all kinds of things are thrown your way. Overcoming is an enabling of the Lord of walking in the Spirit and, and possessing spiritual, eternal blessings. You may ask me now, and this is what I'm going to finish off. Quivers, what should I do? I feel in this lull. I feel in this slight depression. I feel that I'm just downcast. 
I want to say to you the first thing is tomorrow morning, when you wake up on the bank holiday, you go to a quiet place and you go and sit and you open your Bible at, um, open your Bible at, uh, let me go, at 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 and 5. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. And you say to you say to the Holy Spirit, show me the strongholds and the high things in my life that is stealing joy, that is stealing peace in my heart, that is causing this. Guys, do you know what the root of depression is? Is pride. The root of depression, a root of depression is pride. I know it's a tough thing for many people. A root of depression is pride because it is the place where you, when you get to the place of depression, it is where you say, I cannot fight between this gap, between the blue line and the red line anymore. My energy is gone. I cannot get to this place anymore. The high thing I had of myself in my mind, I cannot attain to that anymore. And you lay down your tools. In the name of Jesus Christ, I want to say to you now, lay down those things that the world, that you yourself has put in your own mind and that you are comparing yourself and your life to every day. It is false. It is an illusion. Ask the Holy Spirit to do that. Secondly, as I just read, it's a battle. It is a battle, but the battle is the Lord's. Enable every morning for, with the power of the Holy Spirit to enable you to fight this battle in your mind until your thought patterns st- is getting right. Now, it's a very interesting thing. I believe thought patterns is like a river. Some of you have had wrong thinking and wrong thought patterns for years and years and years. It is like a river. It's like the Grand Canyon. If you want to think like evolutionists, it was a little stream like that, and it flowed for very long, and then it created a massive gap like that. By the way, if you don't understand that, it didn't happen that way. There was a flood. But a little stream, a little thought process, over a long time, creates a crater that big. And every time a certain thought comes into your mind, there's a pattern that it follows through your mind, and it comes out at a certain, there's a certain output in your circuitry, in your CPU, your central processing unit. I know there's some of you that sit here today and you sing here and you cannot worship because you think, it's not me. I cannot say that I'm all of my heart, I'm seeking you because you know you didn't live like that in the week. The way to challenge this, guys, the way to make the change is to say, Yes, it's not me, but I sing this. I prophesy this over my, whole life, over my life. You're not hypocritical when you sing that. It can be something that you aspire to. I know some of you come in here. I mean, all of us have sinned during the week or done something and then come into the church and you start singing. You think, I cannot sing. Maybe there's going to be a flash of lightning striking me here. God is not that kind of God. God is the God that says, 
Can we say this on, on tape? Yeah. When you give your child discipline, who of you have seen my children do not run away afterwards? They love me more. They cling to me. They are more assured of my love after I've disciplined them in a loving, fatherly way. Your Father in heaven is the same. He finds more joy out of you stepping forward and say, I repent, Lord. I repent. I know it was wrong. I've sinned against you. But I'm worshipping now in faith that this can be me. I worship and believe that this, this week that's ahead of me, I will live for you. My heart will be changed and renewed. That is, that is how you change. It's not going to be a lightning strike in your life. 1 Corinthians 9, that's the scripture. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 25, 27 about the runner and the boxer. It says, discipline your flesh. Discipline your body. You know, if I must tell you how many people phone me or text me at 5 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. Sorry, I'm very sick. Sorry, I'm very tired. Sorry, I've been very busy. Sorry, I'm studying. Sorry, it's been a busy week. I'm not putting law on anybody. But I can tell you, I've had a job, a professional rugby career. I've had a couple of businesses. But I never, ever in my entire life missed a home group because it was in my diary. It was number one. I took my, I took my diary for the year. The first thing I do, I took, take my diary for the year and I put home group on a Wednesday at 7 o'clock. There is nothing else that can go into that space. Because it is the priority that I've put in there. It is a higher thing than my work. It is a higher thing than my budget. It is a higher thing than my body. It is a higher thing than my comfort. It is a higher thing than even with being with my family. It is not because I'm serving my home leader. It is not because it is a religious thing. It is because I believe that the Lord can do something in that place and I'm part of it. It's because it, I have made that a high thing in my mind. So when you read the Old Testament and you think, what are these Israelites doing? They've just come through the Red Sea. They're getting manna out of the air. They, you know, that it's, it's an incredible life. They've seen so many miracles. Then Moses is away for two days and they create an altar which they worship. You read in the Old Testament the whole time, they're breaking down the altars on the high on the, on, the, on the hills or on the, whatever, on the high places. And you think, how stupid are they? The Lord has just delivered them from armies, etc. They are worshipping wooden things on, the, on, on, on high places. The wake-up call is that high thing is now not on a high thing, on a high place. It is in this high place, between your ears. You have created the altars. You are worshipping in your thinking, in your dreaming, in your fretting. In your depression, you are, you are worshipping high things in your own mind. Guys, I know this is a very un-English preach. But I want to say to you, the Lord has come. Jesus Christ has come. The Father in heaven has anointed Jesus Christ to come 
and set the captives free. More than that, He has come with the Holy Spirit. He left us and He gave us the Holy Spirit to, for the Holy Spirit to be on you to set the captives free. There is a higher thing for you to attain to. There's a higher place for you to go to. You, you have empowered, you've got the Spirit of the Lord in you. Samson was a man blessed by the Lord. He was a judge of the church. He was as anointed as you can get in his time. The Spirit was not even in him. You are more anointed than Samson. The Spirit is in you. The Spirit was only upon Samson. But the only thing, you know, it's incredible when you're going to read the story. The first thing after they said, and Samson was blessed, that's after his one. He was born, he was blessed, he grew, and the Spirit of the Lord was with him. And then the next thing, he said to him, the next verse, go and look in the Bible. The next verse, he says, it's, uh, it's Judges 13. The next verse is, and he said to his father, he likes that girl and he wants that girl. He was a Nazarite, made, bed by his mother of the Lord, created. He was. Their parents, God told his parents, this child is going to deliver Israel from bondage of the Philistines. And what only thing that Samson thought of his entire life is what was the world thinking of him? Is he smarter than the Philistines? Is he stronger than them? What can he get from it? And all of us think, he's a moron. What is wrong with this guy? He could have imagined he had a plan. Even if he just put a couple of you know, I would have, if I was Samson, I would have put a, like, just 10 Israelites, oh, they were not Israelites yet, but just get 10 Hebrew guys and just say to them, I want each one of you to carry a different weapon. I choose not to fight with a jawbone. Just, like, give me a hammer and a couple of other things. And as I, like, break something, as I was killing the Philistines, just hand me another one and just stand behind me. Give me some water as I, as I walk through him. He had no strategy. He never thought, he never pursued the Lord to understand why he was called for. Let that not be the testimony of your life. Because you are gifted. The Spirit of the Lord is in you. And the Spirit of the Lord, the anointing of the Lord is on you to set the captives free around you. Guys, I, I just feel a word. A high thing in your mind can even just be focused on the salvation of your own family. It goes beyond that. A high thing in your mind can be just to go to another place that you've always dreamed of going, even if it's just going back to Zimbabwe or South Africa. I pray this morning, I pray this morning that you can come to the place in the Lord where you can ask Him to put every desire, every dream in your heart into the furnace of his love and say, Lord, put everything in my heart. I cleaning up my heart. I put it there. It's dreams that have been there a long time. It is things that have been there a long time. I put it there. I pray that you will give me back what is of you. I want, to, I want you to give it back to me in the order that you also want this to be Pursued in my life. Just close your eyes as you sit. Father God, 
I want to speak your life over everyone sitting here today, Father God. We are believers. We have crossed the Jordan. You have enabled us with your Holy Spirit. We are in the kingdom of God. But we have dwelled for too long in a place of comfort. The place, Father God, where you want us, Father God, is a moving with you. Father God, thank you that there are many battles prepared for each one of us. And we praise you this morning and we give you honor that the battle is not ours. It is the Lord. Father God, for those who are sitting here this morning that are saying, the yoke is heavy, the load is too much. I pray, Father God, for revelation in a time spent with you, with a breakthrough now in the Spirit, that they will let go of the things that is not of you, the things that are of the flesh, the burdens that they carry that is not for them to carry, the battles which they are fighting, which is not the battles that you want them to fight. We declare that the Spirit and the praise of the Lord go ahead of us in the battle. Where you're sitting now, in your own heart, if the Lord has been speaking to you, I, I pray that you will not walk out here today. Just close your eyes. Just don't walk out here today and just let go of the word that's been sown in your heart. If you, the Lord has been speaking to you, I pray that you will fasten something in your heart. That before you stand up from your chair, you will write something down on a piece of paper. And you say, I will even, like Jacob, wrestle with this thing with the Lord. I will not let another day go past where I live for a very shallow Christianity. I will not live another day just next to the Jordan. I will go out like, I will go out, Father God, like, like Joshua. I will go out like Caleb at the age of 80, even when I'm not 50 or 60. Caleb was 80 years old, and he said, I still have the desire in me to claim my promised land. I pray, Father God, that the desires of our heart will be pure and go far beyond ourselves. And I pray for many testimonies among us that as we have pursued you with, in our fullness, that the Lord has added many things to us, even beyond what we could think or ask for. I pray, Father God, for a strengthening in the spirit of those people that are suffering from depression now. I pray for those who are at a low point now. I pray that you will strengthen them. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you will be the lifter of their heads. That, Father God, I pray that you will show them, Father God, a way of escape from under this burden in the name of Jesus Christ.